I live alone on a ranch I inherited from my mother. I don't do any of the ranch work myself. I lease most of the land out to a cattle rancher, but I have kept a small area for my horses and goats. This originally happened not long after I moved to the ranch. My mother had been feeding some stray cats that took up residency in the barn I now use for my horses. I think there were six or seven cats in total. My mother had what we thought was a form of dementia, but after what I've experienced out here on the ranch, I'm not quite sure what to believe. She used to tell me little things here and there that made absolutely no sense, but somehow she seemed to know the end was coming. Her last note to me was about the cats, of all things. It was strange, almost laughable. The note said to keep the cat bowl full, always, it's easier that way. I didn't think much of it at the time. I was dealing with a lot of other things, but I did as she requested. I kept the cat bowl in the barn filled to the top. It was absurd to me how much cat food they went through in a week. I was convinced there were other animals coming to eat this food because there was just no way these little cats could clean out the entire bowl overnight. I remember my mother having problems with the cat food situation in the past. She would find it broken into more often than not and had to keep the food in a locked box. None of this is too surprising when you live on a ranch. There are loads of wild animals that would jump at the chance to get an easy meal. Thinking back to the note, she probably just decided it was easier to feed the wildlife than to fight it. I knew feeding the wildlife came with all sorts of problems. So I decided to change things up with the cats. I began feeding them all individually, morning and night. This went on for maybe a week before I started having problems. At first, it was just little things. Random things in the barn would be moved around, but then things begin escalating. I would find planks of wood torn off the barn and scattered outside and then the fences started getting torn down. It wasn't until I went to the barn one day and found the calf food box had been destroyed that I finally put two and two together. I thought I was dealing with a bear. I removed every trace of food from the barn and set up a portable electric fence around the door that had been broken in. The bear, or what I thought was a bear, didn't like that. It tore down the electric fence and then damaged the barn again the following night. Now, I knew a little bit about bear management from a summer job I had at a local state park. We would harass any bears that came into the campsite with bear bangers and beanbag rounds. They learned quickly to stay well away from people. So that was my plan. I didn't want to kill this bear, but I wanted it to stay out of my barn. So I planned to sit outside one night and wait for this thing to show up looking for food, and then blast it with a few beanbag rounds. It might have been easier for my mom just to feed the animal, but I wanted to put an end to this. I waited up for it until 1 a.m. I was sitting inside the barn, waiting for this bear to come waltzing through the door. But when the door creaked open, there was no bear standing there. Upon first glance, I thought it was a man. I told him, to stop in his tracks. He must have heard me, because he did. I shined my flashlight on him, and I'm surprised I didn't faint right there. 
The creature looked half man, half ape. If Bigfoot was real, this might have been him. He stood on two legs like a human. He had dark brown fur covering most of his body. His face, his hands, and his feet were hairless, but had thick skin like a gorilla. His eyes were the worst part. They looked almost completely human. It was disturbing to see human eyes on a face like that. I had my gun pointed straight at him. I yelled at him to leave, and he started to back away. I don't know if he could understand me, or if it was the tone of my voice that keyed him in, that he wasn't welcome here. One of the barn cats approached him before he backed out of the door. The cat obviously knew the creature and had favorable experiences with it. The creature bent over slowly to pet the cat before walking the rest of the way out. Now, I know I'm going to sound crazy here, but it was at this point that I realized he didn't want to harm anyone. None of the damage to the barn caused anyone harm. He could have hurt one of the cats or goats or horses, but he didn't. He was just searching for food. How? He probably could have eaten one of those cats if he wanted to, but he didn't. I wondered how long my mother had been feeding this creature for and what type of interactions she had had with it. I never saw the creature up close again, but I did put the cat food bowl back out. Sometimes I would see a shadow out by the barn, but that was it. I think he realized that I was okay with him being around, but I didn't want to see him. I know this sounds like a crazy story. I swear it's true. There are a lot of people who live near the wilderness areas that know about creatures like this, and we just learned to live alongside them. I don't know what became of the creature I saw. He only stuck around for a couple of years after I moved to the ranch. I assumed he must have either moved on or died. I was working as a ranger in the East Yellowstone area. I was sent out to investigate a fire violation in the back country. We were in a severe drought at the time, and the fire danger was extremely high. So it was a case that needed to be taken seriously. It was reported by a backpacking group. They said it didn't look like a campfire. It looked like something that was burning on a raised platform, like a funeral pyre or something. One of the hikers said that they saw people around the fire, but that all the people had fled the moment they came into view. They were afraid to approach the fire in fear of conflict with whatever people were there, which was a fair assessment on their part. You never know what you're going to find out here, and half of the people hiking here carry guns for bear defense. I have learned some strange reports over the years, but this one had to be the strangest. So I don't fault these hikers for not approaching and attempting to put out the fire. My first concern was the fire. If that caught the wind and spread, we could lose hundreds or even thousands of anchors of forest in conditions like this. Luckily, the hikers had a GPS with them and recorded the exact location of the fire. I called in a chopper to do a flyover of the location and see if anything was spreading or in danger of spreading. Luckily, the pilot reported there appeared to be no signs of an active fire. Not so lucky that I had to hike in to investigate the situation. 
And, of course, the only way to that location was by foot. Not even an ATV could make it. I'll spare you the details of my long, grueling hike. I finally reached the location on the GPS. It was a clearing near a small alpine lake. There was a forest backed up to the lake on one side and a valley on the other. I immediately found the remains of the fire. It was just like the backpackers described it. There was a wooden platform, about six feet long and three feet wide, raised up off of the ground. It was burnt black and much of the structure had collapsed from the fire. I examined the area, trying to figure out what was going on here. It definitely wasn't a campfire or anything like it. One of the hikers said it looked like a funeral pyre, and I had to agree with him. I searched the ashes, trying to figure out what exactly was burned on this platform, but I couldn't find anything. I found a couple of stone fragments in amongst the ashes. There were what looked like human tracks in the dirt, bare feet, no shoes. Someone else had been here digging through this before me. My first thought was maybe this was some native ritual, but then I looked up, staring at me. From the edge of the forest were three people. Well, I'll call them people because I don't know how else to describe them. They were all short, no more than five feet tall. At first glance, I thought they were wearing fur coats, an odd choice in the middle of the summer. But then I looked closer. The best way I can describe them is some sort of cross between a man and an ape. I've heard stories of Bigfoot, and I don't think that's what these things were. They were too small, and their body hair was too sparse. All three of them had sort of tannish brown hair all over their bodies. Their faces and necks were hairless, along with their hands and feet. None of them were wearing clothes, nor did they have any provisions with them. They look like monkey people. I know it sounds crazy, but that's the best way I can describe them. They let me watch them for a while. I was still kneeling over the burnt remains of the wooden platform. I was afraid to stand up, in fear of how they might react. They all just stood there looking at me, until one of them grunted. It was a deep, guttural sound. I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I thought my best course of action was to back away slowly. The only form of protection I had with me was a can of bear spray, and I wasn't sure it would stop these guys if they decided to attack me. I was backing away from them when one of them picked up a rock and threw it in my direction. I knew they wanted me to leave, and I wasn't going to argue with them. They waited for me to get a fair distance away from them before they approached the platform and started dismantling it. I never believed in this type of thing before, before I saw those creatures in the valley. I always thought, if there was some unidentified species living among us, that we would have found evidence of them by now. But these things were smart. I think the hiker was right about the funeral pyre. I think they were likely burning their dead and hadn't finished cleaning up when I arrived. If I had showed up even an hour later, I bet there would have been nothing there at all. I don't think they're aggressive towards humans. 
they let me leave and didn't attack me, but they definitely didn't want anything to do with me either. The area I had to hike was incredibly remote. Most backpackers don't head out that far. I don't know how big their population is, and honestly, I don't know if we'll ever find out. I grew up in the desert. There's a lot of strange stuff that happens out here that nobody likes to talk about. I had heard stories all throughout my life, but they were only whispers. Like I said, people out here don't like to talk about that stuff. I didn't have my own encounter until I was 27 years old. I was working on a road construction crew. We would do road work at night. It got too hot during the day. Plus, there was less traffic overnight, which meant less danger for us, or so we thought. This particular project was in a rural area leading to a reservation. There was a dispute over who was responsible for the road. They ended up deciding the city would repair it. The road itself was in rough shape and responsible for more than a few flat tires, judging by the look of things. I'll admit, it was a creepy area, especially at night, but I honestly didn't expect to find anything supernatural out here. At first, we would see shadows moving past the floodlights. I didn't think much of it the first time it happened, but then it would happen again and again. Our first thought was a problem with the lights themselves, but upon inspection, we couldn't find anything wrong. The shadows kept happening. In fact, they were increasing. Myself and the rest of the crew thought it must be some desperate animal looking for food. Road construction is a loud, busy environment. Even at night, if it was an animal, it was probably starving. I couldn't think of any other reason that would make a wild animal invade a construction zone. I know it didn't make much sense but it was the only explanation I could come up with. Then one night, something broke into my truck. The entire cab was torn apart, including the seats. I had been in my truck maybe 30 minutes prior, so whatever did it couldn't have been far away. I turned the lights toward the land surrounding the road, but I couldn't see anything out there. The next night, Someone had a tire torn completely off of their truck, and I mean torn off. The tire wasn't removed by a person. It was ripped off by the axle. We heard the truck tip over when the tire was ripped off and ran over to it. Every one of us grabbed a light and looked around for whatever caused the damage. I didn't see anything at all out there in the desert, but then my flashlight reflected two eyes staring at me from behind some sparse brush. It was a coyote. I breathed a sigh of relief. There was no way a coyote was out here ripping the tires off of trucks. It was like the coyote heard my thoughts. It crept out from behind the brush and walked toward me. I yelled at it to try to scare it away, but it just kept walking. I really don't know how to say this next part, without sounding crazy, but then I heard a voice speak to me inside my head. 
The coyote locked eyes with me. Its mouth didn't move, but I heard its voice. It told me to leave, that things weren't safe for us right now. I yelled at the animal again and told it to get out of here, but it didn't budge. I picked up a handful of pebbles off the ground and threw them at the coyote. It dodged them, but then it sat down and faced me again. I heard the voice speak again. It asked me if my job was worth my life. I don't know why I responded, but I did. I asked the beast to show itself how it really was. I knew it wasn't a coyote. It was something else. The coyote looked at me and smiled. It was a wicked smile. Its mouth grew too big for its face. The voice simply said it wasn't safe for us to be out here. Come back in the spring to finish the road, if you must. Things should be settled by then. Now, I don't consider myself a superstitious person, but I told the crew to pack up and that we were pulling out. I got a ton of shit from my supervisor, but I finally convinced them to revisit the project in the spring, and we did. We went back in the spring and fixed the road. We didn't have any problems that time. No shadows, no damage to our equipment, and best of all, no demon coyotes. I still don't know what that thing was, if it was good or evil, or why it was warning me to leave. I think about it from time to time, wondering if it was trying to keep us from harm or it was trying to keep us out of whatever evil business it was up to. I don't have any answers for that, but I did finally realize why people around here don't like to talk about these things. They sound unbelievable. They make you sound crazy when you talk about them. I know what I saw, and I know what I saw was real. That's all I can say about it. I know other people out here have had similar experiences. They're just too afraid to talk about them.